Salutations, everybody. This is John Kyle Law coming to you today with episode 19 of the Dark Matter Myth Podcast. This one here is called Thy Reproductive Perpetual Trauma. Thanks for tuning in. On the heels of the latest school shooting that happened in Tennessee, we find ourselves at another definition point. Who are we? And it is to say without much bias that we are who we always have been. We are a people who are unwilling to face ourselves. And to put it much more bluntly, we are a people who are unwilling to sacrifice anything at our slightest inconvenience or discomfort. Discomfort, or rather stress, can serve us in many beneficial ways. And acclimating ourselves to certain stresses, to certain discomfort, over long periods of time, not only strengthens the body, but it also strengthens the mind and the spirit too. I say that to tell you this. Collectively, we are headed in a certain direction. And and as of today, we are feeling the metamorphic changes that may happen when an organism is shedding one layer of skin for another or rather cocooning itself in to gain a set of wings to fly. So collectively, what does this mean for each and every one of us? Well, it means this. In service to the collective experience of humanity, many of us will have to die tragically. Many of us will have to be cut down unjustly and without empathy or remorse in order to record and teach the improper ways of our current reasoning and habits that we continually partake on. This particular road will be a long and hard road and will only cease once we access our higher selves and our current line of tribalistic thinking becomes a remnant of our past. One of our greatest problems of today is that we're operating in half-truths and deception and have the audacity to call it news and information when instead it's more in the line of fear-mongering than anything else. As a ways to demonstrate this, I'm going to issue you a couple of quotes, a couple of world-famous quotes that have echoed throughout history. And I want you to understand that while these quotes may make sense, they're coming from a heavily flawed logic that is still being practiced to this day. Quote number one, any violence which does not spring from a spiritual base will be wavering and uncertain. It lacks the stability which can only rest in a fanatical outlook. Quote number two. 
I can fight only for something that I love. I can love only what I respect. And in order to respect a thing, I must at least have some knowledge of it. Quote number three. Those who have no understanding of the political world around them have no right to criticize or complain. Quote number four. The only preventative measure one can take is to live irregularly. Quote number five. Those who want to live, let them fight. And those who do not want to fight in this world of eternal struggle do not deserve to live. Now, depending on who you are or where you are in your development, these quotes may make a lot of sense. On the surface, they seem harmless and without much significance, but each one of these quotes, each one of these sentences contain a huge logical flaw. And the flaw is that they all deal in absolutes. Each one of those quotes I just put forth to some degree hint that in order to be correct, things can only be one way and one way only. None of these quotes offer any nuance, any subjectiveness, or any subtlety. They argue that either things are right or either wrong. When in reality, we know life as a whole is a lot more complex than that. And as clarification of the origin of these quotes, these quotes came from Hitler's publication of Mein Kampf, which was published in 1925, 98 years ago. The rigors of an absolutist theology are much to grapple with. We can look at the pilgrims and their Puritan society when they first arrived on the North American continent and what they were able to do in their own absolutism. And specifically, that was building a justification for killing their own people, their own neighbors, in a total disregard of logic and nuance. We can see this in the witch trials. Nonetheless, the realities of dealing within an absolutist society have one byproduct. That byproduct is trauma. Well, what is trauma? Trauma is a living, breathing organism that is very much alive within each and every one of us. And much like any other living, breathing organism, trauma's main goal is to consume and reproduce. Consume and reproduce. That's all trauma wants to do. Many times, as a justification for its own existence, Trauma will continuously perform the ritual that created it in the first place. We can see this demonstrated within rituals like child circumcision, self-crucifications, and bride kidnapping. All of these rituals which serve no purpose other than to justify that they were done in the first place. Observing a much more tribalistic approach, we could take a look at things like gangbanging and how impressionable minds are willing to use violence and acts of aggression in order to perform acts of retribution on behalf of situations they have no real connection to. 
in situations like these, trauma is able to centralize itself in a particular position and reach out with tentacle-like actions and maintain a firm grasp on everyone it's ever touched. So moving to a much more general sense of trauma, toward a much more blanketed sense of trauma, what happens to people over a large area when they have been ensnared by the tentacles of trauma and they have yet to figure it out for themselves yet? Well, what happens is they become vessels to the trauma, slaves to trauma, and without their own consciousness, become a tailor-made tool for trauma and end up unintentionally spreading trauma in an exponential fashion. So when does trauma rear its ugly head? When is it most likely to express itself? Well, if you're a vessel for trauma, it's most likely to express itself, to come out when you're at an emotional low point or emotionally vulnerable. You know, trauma never spreads when we're at our highest self. So as society sinks down to depression and despair due to what the news feeds us, due to our information appetite of apathy, it's no wonder we see incidents like road rage up 500% within the last 10 years. So how can we begin to combat this? How can we solve this? And what are our solutions? Well, my first suggestion would be to take notice of those times when we instinctively react to a situation that is causing us stress. And within that blatant instinctive reaction that one tends to reciprocate lies the opportunity for trauma to rear its ugly head. So if we can measure our own emotions and learn the situations which cause us to instinctively react, we can therefore lower the probability of reacting from a place of trauma, thus decreasing the likelihood that trauma will fulfill its purpose and spread amongst any susceptible bystanders within its immediate range. I say this because trauma is indiscriminate. And while it is much like a wildfire out of control, it is also much like a pebble thrown into a lake. And while its immediate impact may vary in size, the subsequent ripples that encircle the impact area are wide-reaching and spread long and far. Now, if you've ever witnessed this ripple effect, you know, one thing that seems to be unfazed by these ever-reaching waves is a rock. And you'll notice the waves bounce off of the rock and divert its attention back to the source and around the typical rock. You know, the rock is never really touched. And that's one thing I try to provide to you, to the audience, to my listeners. A rock of truth, a platform to stand on and a framework to build upon. And now the framework we will build upon and the rock of truth that I wanted to deliver today specifically for you.
is this. When it comes to trauma, we all have a job to do. And that job is to ensure that it doesn't spread. As forward-thinking, conscious beings, throughout your day-to-day lives, you will be met with options and opportunities that either promote a metastasization of trauma or completely extinguishes it as soon as it rears the slightest hint of a whiff of smoke, let alone a flickering flame. Now, this is not an easy thing to do because oftentimes it requires a sense of humility when we're hardwired to want to win every exchange. But unfortunately, this is what is necessary. In a place where people lash out to meet insecurity with insecurity. In a place where trauma has been passed down for so long it is now deemed as ritual. In a place where our finest resources are perverted and misused and placed upon the altar of sacrifice as an offering to our capitalistic tendencies, which in turn exploits our own fear in what seems to be a never-ending cycle. Here we stand with the real solution, a solution that doesn't begin by pointing a finger, but instead lies within a sense of self-responsibility and understanding that if there is change to be made, that it begins with me first. So as we come to the end of the podcast, I'm just going to speak a lot more freely and with what I say and the podcast is coming along. Uh, you know, we reach new audiences every week. The Dark Matter Myth comic books, the reason I even began this podcast, are on sale now at www.darkmattermyth.com. They are the precursor to this project and are the tangible byproduct of everything that I'm doing, the universe that I'm building, and the one-of-a-kind unification of hip-hop within comic books, driving home a real message at the highest levels of hip-hop within the most creative writing within hip-hop and just compacting that into something real and tangible, you know? What I'm doing is real. It's impactful, and I want you to be a part of it, too. You know, don't miss out. You know, along with the projects, I also released a mixtape of um, fairly recent music and some old music. And, you know, the hip hop is high level stuff. You know, I I don't have a studio or nothing. It's just me and my computer. I don't have an engineer. But um, I want to share a couple of lines with you as we close out. It's something that holds a great significance toward the topics we were discussing today. And this is from a song called, more like a freestyle, a long freestyle I did called Achieve Glory. And you can find that at the Dark Matter Myth mixtape. It's on SoundCloud. And uh, I'm just going to release a couple of these lines. And it goes to something like this. Man, I remember them old slums Way before I had the rose done Way before I had the old bun Way before old one When I was so young I remember standing frozen As the drunken blows come Both of them were so strung My mother's mouth so bloody You would swear she was coughing up a whole lung Man, I was so numb 
But from that moment on, if you believe, I always felt that I was chosen to do something great. Cause a scared boy yelling stop no could never be my fate. And that is no stop yelling boy scared. We on a whole nother state. I never thought I had the chance to relate back to that instance. But it's relative between distance, the coexistence and persistence to hindrance. To further, what pushed the pics of Mr. Hendrix? Or the burning pits of Auschwitz to indifference? So here's the first penances at devil's interests and the grips to seal the deals of crooked businesses. It's meals on wheels, but no deliverance. When forced to pick up the past pieces with no instructions of a semblance, and what was intended built bears no resemblance until it comes crashing down just like a symbol hit. I could have told you that's some shit you seen as a kid to fuck you up later in life, but that's some simple shit. <laughs> so there we have it, you know, trauma. It's ever-reaching and indiscriminate in its outreach. And it all can be brought to a halt by our own actions. So there you have it. I hope you like this episode. You know, this is episode 19 of the Dark Matter Myth podcast. I hope you enjoyed this one. Uh, thanks for coming out with me. Thanks for listening. Peace and much love. <laughs>